0: Hi, and welcome to The Creative Spark, a podcast on the pursuit of creativity. How does creativity work? Where does it come from? What does it take to get to that aha moment where something finally sparks inside of you? Whether you're a painter, a dog walker, a writer, a florist, or anything in between, creativity lives in all of us. But how do we get there? How do we make it work? And how do those who've made a career out of their creativity make their magic happen? I'm your host, Ansley, and you are about to find out. Welcome to The Creative Spark. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Creative Spark. I am so glad that you're here. So today's guest, I just adore her. She is a TV host, a comedian, a designer, and an all-around amazing person, Trish Sir. You might know her from Clean House or The Daily Draw or maybe from one of her touring stand-up comedy shows. In this episode, she breaks down transitioning from the side job hustle to booking her first life-changing job, the power of a morning routine, and the world of syndication explained. More about Trish. Trish Sir is the definition of a multitasker. She's a designer, professional organizer, moving and relocation expert, TV host, as well as a nationally touring comedian. The former host of The Daily Draw on the Game Show Network and a spokesperson for Bed Bath & Beyond, Trish has partnered with Pledge, Breathe Right, Bristle, and a number of other brands. Best known as the Yard Sale Diva, Trish appeared in over 200 episodes of the Emmy-winning makeover show Clean House, where she helped families across America clean, declutter, and get organized. Trish has delivered her comedic take on living your best life on numerous television shows including Good Morning America, Good Day LA, Hallmark's Home and Family, as well as commentary on Fox, E!, CMT, and the Game Show Network. A native of Kentucky, this Emmy winner and lifestyle expert uses her Southern sensibilities to navigate life on the road. Trish puts the Southern in Southern California. Just a quick disclaimer, this episode was recorded over Zoom and there are some bumps and bruises because of that. Thank you for bearing with us. Without further ado, Trish Sir.
1: Hi, Trish. Thanks for being here. Hi, Ansley. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) I miss you
0: so much. I miss you so much. I miss you so much. As soon as 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 I get to see my family, I'll see you. (laughs) That's exactly right.
1: Or I'm going to try to get my happy butt back to Los Angeles sooner than later. So did you move to LA for comedy? Um, I did. I moved to LA. Um, I moved to LA to do stand up because that's my first love. Will always be my first love. And um, but since I was a little girl, I was I was walk around and declare to everyone that I was going to live in Los Angeles. I lived in Middlesbrough, Kentucky, heart of coal country, base of the Appalachia mountains, in the middle of nowhere, like. Dolly Parton was, and still is, uh, (laughs) the like epitome of pure success because she grew up 45 minutes from me, and so. that's cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I, I was obsessed. My childhood obsession was trying to get a job at Dollywood because I wanted to work the corn dog cart because I heard she would eat corn dogs. And I thought that was going to be the way, because my entire (laughs) life, I'll tell my Dolly story later, because I plotted my entire life to meet Dolly Parton, and I would do anything to throw myself in a Dolly path. So that was part of my childhood. It was like, "Um, if I just get to know her, I too will be uh, successful. So, I mean, that was part of my lure, Lure. but I never wanted to live anywhere but LA, since I was a little girl. My family was just like, you've never even been there. You might not like it. I was like, I'm going to love it. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. I was similar too. I had never, I had pictures on my, um, uh, bedroom door that I cut out from magazines of LA. It was like a vision board before I knew what a vision board was Yes, and just all LA stuff. And when I moved here, I was shocked. I was like, dad, I actually made it. He was like, why are you surprised? This is something you've been planning
1: for since you got a magazine when you were like five (laughs) that you looked at and thought I, I I was the exact same way. I, I, my papa, um, was a president of a bank and, and, and up, uh, you know, always, I was always around banks for whatever reason. And I don't know if you remember, cause you're younger, those little capsule things you'd put your checks in and it would suck up and the yes. teller would like get uh-huh. it right. Yeah. So my papa brought my brother and I each one home when we were, I don't know, I was probably seven. My brother was five and he made us put in it at five, 10, 15 and 20 everything that like we're, like time capsule where we we're, were gonna do and succeed and become and all the things i never changed i think my vehicle changed a couple of times but it was always same five ten i was five so my brother was three he probably threw in like rocks and a transformer who knows But <laughs> i kept putting in these letters and like would didn't start like a vision board i'd put in like all these paper cutouts of los angeles and palm trees and houses and where i was gonna My mom's like, you don't want to live anywhere else? I was like, no. And so I just, you know, I I never did. And it was never like a, I never equated, I never have equated Los Angeles to making it. I just Mm. equated it to home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's a lot of people be like, oh, well, did you move there to try? I'm like, I didn't try anything. I succeed at (laughs) Mm -hmm. a very good life that I love. Yeah, People that looked at LA as a thing they're going to try will fail. Mm. That's what I believe yeah and um now m- having moved out uh in october to atlanta i cannot wait to get back to los angeles
0: so how old were you when you actually made it out
1: here did you go to college I, out here I, no i went to college at arizona state okay yeah i want to say i was 23 and uh, i moved here on halloween night oh that's fun
0: <laughs> was there a
1: reason that you moved on that day Nope. Just was like, Oh, and then when you got here, I didn't realize, and you know, I I came on Christmas, um, Christmas Eve, uh, Halloween night. And then we pulled up into uh, my rider truck in tow, pull up. And it's, it was the Halloween, West Hollywood Halloween. Oh my gosh. And I had to park my rider truck. And I'm like, well, I don't understand. I don't understand what's happening. And uh I you yeah, know, been in I've been in Arizona, Kentucky before that. that was like
0: nothing know? prepares you for the West Hollywood Halloween. I hope it comes back after COVID because oh. it's just so magical and special and over the top. And you can't park anywhere. Anywhere, even around
1: West Hollywood for even like forty eight hours. Car. Yeah, Yeah, like the tiniest bit. And here I have a rider truck. And I'm like, okay. And I only remember with these five guys walking up, darling, my goal weight, all of them, dressed as Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. And I was like, y'all are darling. (laughs) What do I do with my truck? (laughs) And I was like, they're like, girl, what you got up in there? That's a big costume. You went real butch. And I was like, (laughs) oh, no, I'm moving. And they were like, yeah, you are. And I was like, oh. Oh no, <laughs> I didn't, it was like, welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> and I got a boot on my truck. That was fun. Uh-huh. Cause I couldn't, where are you going to go? I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't turn around. It was a, it was, I, I got a life lesson really quick. So you jump right
0: in, um, to comedy and you were bartending at the time, right? Like, weren't you like bartending and then doing shows at night afterwards? I,
1: yeah. I had like 14 jobs. I, um, I waited tables. Um, and bartended at the Hard Rock Cafe. Um, I've done every job Plan at Hollywood, did time there, sure did. Uh, I tanned most of Hollywood at, I managed a tanning salon. So I did that, I I worked the tanning salon, which was my early morning job, like from, I'd have to be there at 6 a.m., I'd work till two, I'd leave, I'd go home, eat, sleep, change, redo, like, you know, shower, get ready, and then go um, do a set, and then go bartend from 10 to two, and then repeat. Oh my gosh. I did for how for, long and how uh, old were you? Oh God, girl, I started doing that at probably, I did that from 26 to 30, 26 to 31. Wow. 30 Well, 30. Cause then I, then I, I also, another thing about me, I had a bunch of shows. I was very lucky, uh, not lucky. I worked my butt off, but I worked a lot and I, and I was having like small shows, but I was so like, who knows if that's going to stay on and it's also not staying in your worth. I never quit my bartending jobs. I would literally work my butt off 14, 16 hours a day on a set and then go leave and work and bartend at night. Cause mm-hmm. so I was like, you never know. We don't yeah. know if this thing's going to stay. <laughs> so, yeah. And but I, I kept it. There's some, like, there's a
0: balance in creative careers. I think of knowing that like, now's the time to leave and trusting the universe that it's time to leave And then not trusting, feeling like it's never going to happen again. It's
1: never going to show up. Very much so. And I think, you know, you, you have to do it. I, I've always equated what, um, really working and, and loving what you do, um, to a game of double dutch, right? There's two ropes always going. And it's the one that you know in your gut that if somebody actually asked you to do it for free, you do it for free. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's the rope that you're like, not a problem, not a problem, not a problem. It's when you have to stand in your worth and the dollar amount and the things I've had to learn through the years of what to ask for and not to be upset to ask for that that has been the struggle and it's for everybody, you know, or worse when you really know what you're worth and then you start having a panic attack and you get imposter syndrome mm-hmm. that you think, Oh, well I'm clearly not this good. I'm not this. Good. And you're like, who? What? yeah, I am. I am this good. I work my butt off like this. I didn't just fall out of a Instagram reel and I'm three seconds of lightning in a bottle. I'm like, I've worked my butt off to be this person. And that's when you have to stand in those worth moments. And obviously earlier on, that was not, I was not there yet. And, um, that when that shift happens and you do just make that trust, it is a, you can't just go, I'm just not going to work anymore. It, for me, I had, I had so much relational collateral in all the bars that I worked in. And Mm -hmm. what I found the most fascinating was when I finally clean house, I was on clean house was when I finally left, um, clean house was supposed to be a summer job. We joked all the time. It was the 10 year summer job. It was only supposed <laughs> to be, it was supposed to be, um, you know, it was uh, a summer, three months of work. It was a summer gig because Nisi was on Reno 911 and she filmed that in the fall. And uh, I came on, we did five episodes that ended up airing while we were in the middle of the last five episodes. Cause we shot it in real time. It really did take a week to shoot each episode So we're in the middle of the second set uh, of episodes and the episodes I'm on go through the roof and it changes the entire show. And then all of a sudden it becomes this like banana crackers juggernaut. And by the sixth episode, we add in Matt Eisman and Matt Eisman and Nisi and Mark and I all are together. And that's when it went from cute little network show to literally 70 hours a week of the programming on the network. Like we couldn't make enough of them. They, they couldn't stop making them. And I I was like, I got to get to my bartending. Like I, I started getting like anxiety about like, well, this is getting very busy. And in the bar business, we are busiest in LA actually in the fall. Because it's that cool, people start coming inside, which I know probably sounds weird to a lot of people. People start coming back indoors, and kids are back in college, and we do have a pretty big college, you know, tourist town in LA. And so all of a sudden, I'm like, oh gosh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna be able to be at the bar in the morning. I'm gonna be exhausted because I'm working so much. And I remember having to call and tell them that uh, I was gonna stay on the show and I was gonna see it through. And I was like, okay. Like, everybody was great. All the management was like, we're so proud of you. Great job, blah, blah, blah. And then I realized really quickly, like, and it hurt my heart so bad because I'm everybody's team mom, sister. I've always been that way. How many people just stopped talking to me? All the bar staff that weren't, they just literally were like, turn their back, screw you. Literally. Why? Because you got out. Yeah. And it hurt my heart so bad because I would never do that. I I so celebrate everybody. And yeah. the work they do to get wherever they're at because yeah it doesn't just happen it, no it, it doesn't so much you know how hard it is it is it's a really hard moment because you are, are certainly not trying to degrade or or lessen someone's
0: stress going back to Getting the job. I want to talk about you getting that show because there's an interesting story behind you getting that show and your agency and all of that, right? That's another standing in your worth moment.
1: Yeah. I dropped by my agents, um, the November before I got clean house.
0: And Were you with um, your agents for comedy, for TV, for acting? So I would what-
1: Oddly, and and, and people know or don't know this, you know, when I moved out to LA to do stand-up, I love stand-up. And like, you have to act. You need to sit calm. You have to act. And every part of me kept going, that's fine. And I tested for pilots all the time. Like, you have to also uh, understand, too, my hair did not go blonde until I got clean house. So I'm a very dark, dark dark-haired Italian Mm -hmm. that happens to be from the South. And it was always me. Hillary Swank, who was the blonde, Uh, so it was (laughs) Hillary Swank, me, and um, Marissa Rabisi, who used to be married to Beck and has gorgeous red curly hair, and we would joke that we'd all walk into an audition room, and at that point, our mantra was always heightened hair color. It wasn't because we weren't awesome at what we did. Mm -hmm. The blonde, the brunette, or the redhead, we were all kind of like, here they are, and Hillary Swank and I would both always go Newman because we would be at every one together, and we we're like, here we are, here we go. Because she was this like darling blonde that was on two and O and Precious, and I got uh, brought in a lot for like they everyone thought I was from New York or Jersey because I had long brown hair to my waist. Um, I had a tanning bed problem because I managed a tanning salon. So I was, (laughs) my Italian was showing I was darky, dark skin, gorgeous. My dream has always been to be tanorexic and I almost was probably Magda from something about Mary. Like it was not my, but I looked, I looked far more, uh, what's ambiguous, like dark Mm -hmm. hair, dark skin, as Mm -hmm. opposed to what you see and blonde hair now. And so uh, They, I had done a lot of acting and I didn't, um, I didn't love it. I didn't like playing other people. And then (laughs) I got to go out and start doing hosting stuff. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Okay. I I get to just be me and say, oh, well then I'm here for this. I just have to read a prompter and I can read a prompter in my sleep. Um, I love that. It's just much more fun. And I remember I went and I tested for American Idol because in the beginning, the first season of American Idol, there was a comic and Ryan Ah. and uh, a comic named Brian Dunkelman is actually who ended up getting it. But, uh, I got down to like the last, I was one of the, they had like a, a, you know, girl color commentator back with the contestants in the back, but they were for a half a second going to put a female with Ryan. And, um, he had the blonde dyed tipped hair. Yes, he did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I was a brunette at the time, so it looked quite nice together. And so, um, I just, they ended up going with, with two guys, which I was like, okay, that's not for me. Right. And mm-hmm. my agents were like, I just don't understand how you didn't book American Idol. And I was like, oh, who cares? Like um, music's not my thing. It's not like I'm bumped, You know, it was okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't get mm-hmm. like
0: super upset. Also, and you're I- totally not in control over who they well, book or the creative decisions that they make or. No.
1: It's height height and hair color. Again, Uh I always say to people, you could get or not get a job over stuff you have no idea. You could have looked like a girl that um, said no to somebody in high school uh, that they couldn't sit with them at the lunch table, and you won't get a job just because you vaguely resemble that girl. If you try to figure it out, you're going to go mad. So just let it go and do the very best you can and love what you do. That's all. So I, I... was kind of bummed that I didn't get American Idol but I was like that's all right whatever it's fine and I was hosting a show for um uh Tech TV at the time which then became G4 and I was a big big video game kind of nerd and I could talk a lot of video game nonsense really quickly and Um, I remember my agents called me and were like, you know what? Uh, And they were an agency that was for like sportscasters because at the time they didn't know what to do with lifestyle people. So they weren't with theatrical agents. We didn't have alternative programming departments in TV yet. And you were, if you weren't an actor, then you had to go in with like broadcasters, like journalists I mean, they had like Katie Couric in me. I'm like, wait, what? You know what I'm saying? Like it just, not. (laughs) I'm not saying that was their entire roster. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of of, uh, anchors. And so I was like, this is weird. And chefs, because they didn't know what to do yet. We were at the early stages of what alternative programming was. So they dropped me in November. I then decided to go to Spain with another comic to do uh, shows. For an expatriate club. So obviously I could speak English because my Spanish is not good enough to run around Spain and drop jokes. I wish it was. <laughs> so um I I was like, great, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm I'm so you know, I'm here for it. I need to go like stretch it out and get my chops right and all the things. And I remember them calling and saying, Hey, um, this is like a month before, and they're like, Will you come in? One of my favorite casting directors to this day, I adore she's one of my favorite humans, James Maureen Brown. And she said, Trish, will you come in? And you know, um, I just want throw you on tape for this show, Clean House. And I was like, Well, what's wrong with it? Because I watched it, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I was like, Everybody's great on that show. What's what? what it, <laughs> I suddenly became a producer. I'm like, Um, what are they fixing? Because it's great. And she goes, Well, we're gonna, um, we're gonna actually, I, we're gonna go a different direction for the yard sale guy at the time. And I went, I was born to do that. Like, are you kidding me? I grew up Southern. We live for a damn yard sale. I grew up that. that. That's so true. We do live for a yard sale. Only (laughs) only people I know that love a yard sale like Southerners are Hawaiians because nothing leaves the island. Mm. And to this day, I'm like uh, old Hollywood when I go on vacation to Hawaii because they loved clean house. And they love a yard sale and they're like, yard sale diva, hey girl. (laughs) When I'm in somebody's front lawn digging through, looking for a plumeria print, I'm like, hi, (laughs) how are you?
0: My grandma's from Louisville and we used to go every Sunday driving around Jacksonville looking for the yard sales. Yes,
1: Yes. it's a thing. It's a real, people do not understand how much it's a real thing to Southerners. So Mm -hmm. I was like, y'all want me to audition for the yard sale diva? I was like, yeah, that sounds fun. It's fine. So I came in to see Maureen and she said, what are your three walk in the room slate? And then she goes, what are your, what are your three rules of, um, throwing a yard sale? I was like, it has to be fierce. It has to be fabulous. And you have to be frugal. You can't be overpriced and stuff just because you think you bought it for a lot and it's worth that. Now you drug it to your front line. That's the first words out of my mouth in under 30 seconds. And then we went ahead. Genius. (laughs) But it's how, you know, me, that's how I talk. So, um, that was a month, month later, they call and say, Hey, you've got to go in and test for the yard sale person. They hadn't come up with the title yet yard sale person uh, for clean house. And I said, okay, well, when is it? And they're like, it's Tuesday at whatever, like 10 AM. And I go, okay, well, I've got to be at the airport cause I have to fly to Barcelona at eight. So as long as they don't drag this day on, that's all I remember was like, gosh, I drive down to Wilshire Park. Figure, you know, <laughs> How you dare start, they? <laughs> these jackfoots. Well, And they had been very clear that it was only five episodes. I didn't know. I thought he was going on a vacation and they were trying to get somebody in so he could, you know, go sip a rum drink. I didn't know. I really had no clue. So I came in and I had to walk in and audition with Nisi and Mark, who is the designer on the show. And Nisi, I did all, you know, we talked and everybody carried on. Everything was great. And then Nisi goes, I want to do a scene with Tricia. And she had people that I knew that she had asked to be there. There were like three other people, two of which were comedians that were friends of mine. They were like, girl, this is, this is your job. Everybody in the lobby was like, do they not know who you are? And I was like, please, it's nobody. They're like, you actually go to yard. I was like, it's fine. We'll just, like everyone was laughing that they were here with me because they're like, I have gone to a yard sale with you. I was like, I oh, no. know. It was just hilarious. It was really funny
0: <laughs> because great. I was not
1: Niecy's choice. It was not, um, Which is fine, she didn't know me from a can of paint. And then we do a scene. And I will never forget this as long as I live till the day I die. And Nisi can even tell you to this day if you called her right now and said what was Trish wearing when she can tell you all the way down to my boot, what I had on. Because she looked at me in the scene that she just picked a scenario, right? So it was a completely improv. She said, I'm a mama who won't let go of my baby crib. I've got all this clutter in this house and this baby crib is sitting in the dining room. My baby is seven. And I will not let go of this baby crib. You need to get this baby crib out in the yard sale. You need to get it from me. And I will not let it go. And I was like, okay. And she goes, okay. I said, like, yeah. So we start and she is fully, because Nisi's an amazing actress. Dives right was, in. Oh. <laughs> and she's just like, I can do it. I can do it. And I was like, you can. I said, you absolutely can. And she was like, no. And she starts tearing up. And Nisi can cry. There's nobody that can cry like Nash. And she starts fully tearing up. And I said, is this the life you want for him? I said, you are such an amazing mama. You do want him to climb over all this and think that you couldn't get it together. You're better than that. You are better than that. I start tearing up. I see her freeze, freeze. And I go, could you meet me at let me take a gorgeous, take a gorgeous picture. Let me frame this the way it should be. I said, and put this in a place of honor because what you're doing right now is an honor in your baby, and it certainly is an honor in you. And she, but, 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 and she was like, okay. And I said, okay. I said, I got you. I will not let you fall. And she was like, okay. Okay. And like, and then she kept crying, and I was like, okay, she's going to be fine. <laughs> it like, that's Mark, amazing. That's just, I was me. I just was like, I, this is who I am. You can't, there's no script for this. And so, we get done. I didn't know any of this, right? I walk out of the room and I'm like, I hope that was it. They brought me back in there four times. I got to get to the airport. Like that's all I'm thinking is like the schedule. And, um, they broke a flight, book a job, right? Well, that's all. Yes. Make a plan, honey. You, your life will change. That's what I tell everybody. Make, make a plan. Your life will change. Mm -hmm. So uh, (laughs) I was like, thank y'all. Appreciate you. Everybody have a good day. And after the fact, of course, Nisi ended up telling me, she was like, you walked out of that room and she goes that little white bitch is good 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 and i was like no you did not say that she was what was i going to say she goes i didn't know you, i you were her i had no choice in the matter this, it was you like no matter who i wanted to push across the line cuz she's like of course i had my agenda for my friends she's like but it was you and it always proved to be that way for that particular role and uh, you know when they called me i was in spain and I was like, what? Like, you need to come back. And I was like, wow. I was like, is there a death in the family? Like, I legitimately had no idea. Um, and and then I, the best part, of course, was that I called my agents because the, at the moment I had to negotiate travel back, blah, 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 blah. And I called my agents and I was like, listen, you can do the deal, but you're not getting full commission because I don't have the time right now to go bebop around and like get an agent. So I'm going to- Wait, go ahead they had and- already dropped you before oh, they this, dropped me. this is the This is the- February, right after. So November, they dropped me. And now it's Got February. It. Got it. And I said, you can do the deal, but you're not getting 10%. You can have four. And they were like, yes, well, girl. Well, well, and I said, you have it right now, you decide right now because then I will just call an entertainment lawyer who gets five. I'm only doing it because you and I have done hard time because my agent that I loved, she was like literally crying. Cause you know, they all just go in a boardroom, put you up on a slide and are like, drop, keep, drop, keep. They don't care this is, it's the business. Mm -hmm. And so she was like really bummed, like crying when she had to call and tell me. So that's why I called her. I was like, well, I'll, you know, I'll give you this commission. It's easy, but you're only getting this. And, um, I said, you know, for this show now, mind you, this ended up being the next 10 years that they got that commission (laughs) because I was respectful and gave it to him the entire time. I was like, I may be the paperclip budget over at your agency, but listen, bitches. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing in the, mm-hmm. as I negotiated that rate. And I remember the head of the agency being like, we've never done that. And I said, well, I don't have the time. So either say yes or say no. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, well, we'll do 5%. And I was like, 5% it is. Cause that was an entertainment lawyer. So I was like, it's fine. Right. So you did,
0: you were supposed to do five and then you did 300, 300. <laughs> episodes. So how did you, what, how did it happen after the fifth episode that they were like, actually, we're going to keep you on
1: for nine more years. For nine more years. That's what we kept joking. Cause they, they didn't want to have to pay us contract adjustments in the beginning, which was hilarious. Hilarious. I was a lot of, a part of a lot of TV first that I didn't realize and the growing pains of what reality TV was. I look back now and realize how uh, important that was, but I'll speak to that in just a second that uh, they kept calling it like season. They, I think we were on season five when I started the show. It had been on for five seasons before I started and we did it all the way to like 32, I think. I think that's right. But, but season five was five A, B, C and D. So technically I probably did 45 seasons. They didn't want to change the pay rates (laughs) and kept going. We're on season five A. So it was five, five A, five B. Five, like, I think we ended up doing like 50 episodes in season five off of A, B, C, and D. It was That's so insane. ridiculous. It was insane. So ridiculous. Like I look back now and I'm like, how am I a functioning person in society? I worked, I, I, we worked 300 and like, I'll say honest to God, we worked 300 and I'd say 55 days a year. We, But you were prepared
0: for it because you were working at the tanning salon. You were bartending. You were doing the stand up. You were able to, you had the stamina to be able to do that.
1: I definitely did. And I definitely cared um, uh, that so many people were working. When I started the show, there were like 25 people. And by the time we ended the show, there was a hundred. So when you realize what it took and the amount of people that got to work, And be a part of something, and I, we were all close. There was not like, oh, who's that? I could tell you every single person. We're still like everybody still roots for each other and cheers each other on all the way down. If somebody was a PA now and now they're, you know, over running uh, something at 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 ABC, I'm like, good for good for you because that's what this the, the entertainment business is. I say, don't ever burner bridge, because you have no idea where that person's going to be, what they're going to become. It's a big city, but it's a small town. Big city, small town. And Mm -hmm. people always go, my God, LA is so big. I was like, it's a tic-tac. It is literally a tiny, tiny Mm tic-tac. And the people that do work and really do make change happen um, and love what they do, some people get a little burnt out, but for the most part, love what they Mm -hmm. do. It's a very small group of people. Yep. And you want to make sure that you're rooting for all the good ones and- doing your best to avoid the bad ones (laughs) because they're out there. Um, So yeah, it just, it was, it was a great experience. I also learned, like I was saying in the middle of that, when I started at Clean House, E actually owned the network I was on. I was on the Style Network. E owned it. And this big after merged. It was a big (laughs) to-do. And in that, E tried to say, we're not going to pay them residuals because, they're like a news show. They're just like, they're just like a, um, a, cause I did, I did all of them, all their countdowns, like the top 10, this, the 20, this, the then and now is like all, as you go back and look in the archives, all the comics that would sit, we make ridiculous commentary on clip shows. That's what we did. And Matt Eisman and I were the only talent that did both. We, we uniquely did all these commentary shows and then we did clean house and the union Uh, there was some talent that went to sue the union and said, hey, we should be getting residuals. It was the talent that was formally on the show. We should be getting residuals because they were airing the crap out of it. And I thought, well, yeah, they should, for sure they should. Like, I think that too. And they were like, well, it's not, it's like news programming. We don't do that. And unfortunately, because at the time he was a news network, that's how it got sanctioned with the FCC. SAG said, nope no, nah, you don't get to do that. So we had to go and like be a part of this big kind of groundbreaking moment of next to Extreme Home Makeover, if I'm not mistaken. And this might, might someone else might have done it, but we were the only uh, makeover show to ever receive residuals because Wow. We they simply asked us, uh, and I think Matt was probably uh, the nail in the coffin, but we, they were like, do you think well, when they asked me in a deposition, they said, do you, do you consider doing a commentary show in clean house the same amount of work? And I literally from the bottom of my stomach died laughing, like a deep guttural belly laugh that was like, I couldn't stop. And the um, mediator was like, is that your answer? And I said, the laugh. Yeah. And I, go, <laughs> I go, it's part of it. So if you need to Record that. I said, make sure you say deep belly laugh on the record of it. And like they were like, because I was being videoed. And uh, I said, I work six days a week on a show I'm very proud of. I was like, I have one day a week off and that's prep for the next episode. I said, work between 14 and 16 hours a week. Love what I do. And I said, in my downtime, maybe on one day off in case it's a Monday half day. I said, then I'll go in and record one of those commentary shows in an hour. That means an hour tops. So no, no, they're not in fact anywhere near the same. I said, I have to hug people that have lost a loved one and deal with clutter and craziness. And my other job in the other one, I get to laugh about the fact that one owner had an unfortunate mugshot. So no, they are in fact, very- <laughs> and they were like, Thank you. And I was just like, I don't know how you could compare the two. Right, right. Um, and I don't think anyone's work in TV is more important than anyone else's. But it, you couldn't say that was the same kind of show. That's all mm-hmm. what they were trying to get at. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, at like year three, we start getting the residuals for back years. And um, I'm so grateful. I say all the time, you know, that 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 was it, and it was important because it also changed people's pay structures and things I didn't know about. Cause people don't know that about our business. Like mm-hmm. people don't know that the Carol Burnett's and the Tim Conway's and all those people of the world for the Car- Carol Burnett show, they didn't get residuals. That's crazy. It's, That's it's crazy. crazy. It's still on now. It's yeah. still on now. Yeah. And you go, what? And I think about now, um, you know, that we all negotiated our streaming rates for mm-hmm. reruns Mm-hmm back before streaming was a thing, we negotiated it in 2000. I want to say in 2009,
0: I had a show sell to Amazon in 2014. And it was just, I was like, Oh, I made it. I had the show sell. And then I looked at it and was like, I get to stay working at the
1: wedding venue. (laughs) Oh no, it was 2016. But But it it was, there's moments like I get checks right now and I'll go, well, at least somebody's watching it somewhere in Cambodia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that's um, you know, <laughs> yes. like fantastic news, but it'll say that like, you know, 55 episodes have aired and the check is for like 78 cents. So
0: you come off of clean house in what year?
1: I came off clean house in 2012.
0: Okay. Oh. And d- did you dive right into another show? Is that when you started touring with comedy? Where, where were we? Uh,
1: 2012, I uh, was in a whole deal with Fox. So I, Fox syndication, which is a whole nother beast people, daytime television and syndication is, if if you say to anyone that works in TV, oh, I work in syndication, you will see everyone go, oh, because it's like this weird mysterious land that is completely different than uh, traditional mainstream television, but yet you consume it all the time. Uh, can you break it down for us? Yeah, it's no, no. Cause you probably won't <laughs> understand it. Here, here's, here's the, I'll try to give a, a short version so, terms. T- yeah. T- okay. So traditional TV is done. Traditional TV is done off of bankable ad dollars in the slots that they're in. So, you know, what those ad sales look like with syndication you sell to individual station groups and markets off of what you think the ad buy will be for that time of day. So it gets done a year in advance. It is crazy. It is a whole different rodeo. It's changing daily because of streamers and the way people own station groups across the country. And- but
0: that's like why Ellen plays at 3 p.m. here and at
1: 9 a.m. in Atlanta. Exactly. Or it, Ellen might be on NBC and in Los Angeles, but she's on CBS in Atlanta, right? Got like, it. I don't know if yeah, that's yeah. the case. I don't but, know either, but yes. Got yes. It. I'm just making, making that up, but yeah. it's very, it's very, um, it's a whole different universe. And so what they have to do in syndication, and syndication shows have a 96% failure rate. So when you <laughs> get in this weird animal that is syndication they um, back in the day they don't do it anymore like that's why the ricky lakes of the world can afford to no longer be on television because back in the day in the syndication block she made millions and millions and millions of dollars because they have to buy into you the year before you're almost guaranteed your year um whether the show produces or not Wow. So like Kelly Clarkson's show just eclipsed Ellen's show in the ratings. I don't know if you guys I just I just read that right before we got on. (laughs) So that's going to then change Kelly Clarkson's ad buys Mm. and it will change her hour placement. And there's an hour, there's a area in television we call access hour, which is between three and 6 PM. And that's this weird now with COVID, I'm sure that's very, very different, but the access hour traditionally was this kind of no man's land where- if it did well in that and it was producing, it was fantastic, right? It was just like, Oh, great. We're, we're getting in this nice sweet spot where we're actually doing ad sales, which wasn't traditionally the same. That's usually like kids watching cartoons or, you know, yeah, after it wasn't school programming. Yeah. It wasn't necessary or like news. It wasn't the bigger ad dollars chiming in there. That's why the Ellen's of the world and all the shows that do a Steve Harvey showed it extremely well. Now Kelly Clarkson's doing really well that's when those bigger ad buys are like great because we're making that ad buy in in access hours, but that's traditional TV, which is also you know uh, who knows where that'll evolve to in the next three to five years yeah, yeah. come on it's like it no one really wants appointment television anymore. you want to watch it when you want to watch it so right.
0: <laughs> yes so you get the syndication deal right you off get the syndication of clean house. deal right
1: off a of clean house, and I end up. Um, in this loop with Fox, because basically they own me, you know, they, they pay me my, I get paid to, uh, Jenny McCarthy used to say it best. Cause Jenny McCarthy got really screwed in some syndication deals back in the day. Financially she didn't, but you basically get paid not to work. And it's a very hard mm-hmm. thing as a performer or someone yeah. who just loves to produce to be like, at, can I? But can I? Do, can I come help? Can I? Do, can I come over and help with lighting? <laughs> like you're like. You know, so I I had pitched because I was um, cast to be there were the Women's Day the magazine they were turning into a talk show and I was on that cast and in the process of us shooting the pilot the magazine sold Hearst Publications sold it or make sure I'm saying this right I don't remember whoever owned it sold it to Hearst Hearst Publication and Hearst didn't want any part of TV. They couldn't understand it. Crazy. It's insane. We're a magazine. We're the first magazine. It's that. insane. <laughs> but Whoever <laughs> had it on before. <laughs> and it was great. We were like, wait, what, what? And it was like amazing cast. All we all got along. It was so fun. Like it was just fun. And what? So then the next thing I was like, okay, well, I'm on this deal. I don't want to sit in the house. So I went to to Fox and I said, let me go do all your segments everywhere, all across the country. Good day LA, good day New York, good day Boston, good day Atlanta. I was like, throw me out there. Let's go do this. And I started doing extremely well. And they were like, oh, this is great. Do you want to do news? And I was like, no, that sounds awful. (laughs) Uh, So then I would sit in for Jillian or Dorothy uh, in in Los Angeles on our Good Day LA, which was very popular and ended up becoming a third hour nationally syndicated uh, called Good Day Live. And um, Jillian and Dorothy and Steve Edwards were the three hosts, Jillian Reynolds and Dorothy Lucy. And I would sit in for one of them if they actually needed a time off vacation. And that was great because Steve Edwards is such a pro that I was like, Great. You drive the bus. I'm here. Like, I love it. It's live. You know, as a comic. I live for three hours alive. Let's do this thing where a lot of people, if you aren't a news, a journalist or someone that thrives in live TV, it's scary.
0: It's scary. Oh, yeah. It's not for me. <laughs> it's so for me.
1: I'm like, yes, baby. Like, it's, it's riding a Bronco when I'm here for it. I love it. Um, and it was just so much fun. And in the process, of course, you know, Uh, I never wanted that gig. So thank goodness. Thank goodness that I didn't end up in news. And then I ended up doing, um, uh, God, how many shows after that? I'm, I'm sitting here counting them all. Then I went into the syndication loop for a while and was guesting on everything from Tyra Banks Fab Life to, um, uh, Ended, ended. I have your
0: Wikipedia page here pulled up. If you yeah, want me tell to tell me, read I can't it. remember <laughs> my career. <laughs> okay. So you were a regular contributor on extra good day, LA good day, New York, as well as a variety of magazines. And you hosted the national lampoon gamers, W E S, take my kids, please. CMT's oh, family yeah. secrets, lifetime, great American lifetime's great American cook-off. You're known for your quick wit and razor sharp perspectives. You frequently offered popular commentary on specials such as Good Morning LA on ABC, uh, other sh- other networks, including Bravo, E, CMT, and VH1. Yeah, I did that. Thank you, Wikipedia.
1: <laughs> appreciate it because I can't remember half of it, so I really appreciate you guys. And then I ended up over at Hollywood Today Live where it um, was supposed to be like, I was supposed to be there for a week and I ended up being there for three years. So. <laughs> so that's
0: been a theme in your career is like, you have the, like the goal that every actor has. of I want to get cast as the guest star that they backdoor into the series regular, like you are that of the hosting world, which is I am. such a testament to you, you as a person, but you are like, I've known you since I was 22, like my, my whole life. And you are such an infectious energy who is just truly yourself. Like you are. Nobody different, whether it's a good day or a bad day, or you're on a career high or a career low, you're the same person, the same energy. And it's really beautiful because there's not a lot of people like that in the industry that are so even keeled, always
1: themselves. Yeah, Honestly, thank you. Because Sabrina just gave me a, my best friend Sabrina Soto, y'all, who's an amazing designer and hilarious. Well, we're gonna get on the show eventually. I just haven't texted her about it. So <laughs> yeah, just give her a second. She's <laughs> like herding kittens right now. Right. Uh-huh. So she um, she said to me the other day, she was, "I am so sick of your Instagram with this coffee in the morning and then a positive post and then you spin." Okay, she, listen, <laughs> listen.
0: I know that that is your thing, and you talked to Brian about it at Lyndon's thirtieth birthday like two years ago about how this just, is the routine. And here's the thing. I never got it. And I would, I would click through when COVID happened and there was no routine. I knew that Trish's Instagram story was going to be the same three things every morning. And it it gave me some like weird sense. Now I read all the moon quotes and everything.
1: (laughs) I hold it down every day. And sleep because I, can I tell you how many people, and I said to Sabrina, fine, if that's not for you forward through it, how many people will say to me? When you pick a song, i look to see which mug you chose. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, she did something that made me feel good. You're not over there like all up in your feelings being like the world's ending. Even if the world's ending, you find a nice way to say it. And I was like, oh, that's nice. And <laughs> I do it because I, we all, you know, we all start our day in whatever way. And I have, by the way, I've adopted my morning routine, which has changed. I had gotten way away from it. I had a really good one. And then I got really far away from it. And then being here in Atlanta and not enjoying Atlanta, I had to like find the things that made me, you know, joyful and my morning routine. That's such a huge part of it. And every, do you want to share it with us? Well, yeah, if, okay. If you guys, I'm going to just drop this knowledge on you. If you have not, this is part of a creative spark all day, every day, Ansley. So the book, this book changed my life. And I hate when people say that. Cause they're like, okay, heifer, wait, is it the
0: 90 minute or the 90 page miracle book? morning? Yeah. The Miracle Morning.
1: Nope, that's not the one I'm thinking of. Okay, <laughs> The Miracle Morning. Uh, you mean The Game of Life and How to Play It? Yes. Frances Scovel Shin. Yes. love her. Uh, if you don't know Frances Scovelshin, I could sit and go all day. I'm like a, uh, what do you call it? Self-help junkie in a good way because I feel like everyone... Um, you know, you can listen to everybody and take away what you care to take away. Don't sit and like, just listen to it all and do nothing. Not the move, but (laughs) no, 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 don't do that. But if you really look at the things that are powerful and why Francesco Volshin is so cool is she's from like the 19, I want to say 1930s. Like it's hilarious when you read it because the situation she gives, she'll be like, you know, a, a woman asked me, uh, let me take a ride in her automobile. And I'm like, oh, what? God's sake. She does so, like, yeah. like that. Yeah. Very funny. She's like, I moved and was without a telephone for weeks. And I was like, what? <laughs> Things so. that we can't wrap our brain around now. But, but the morning book. There's a book called The Miracle Morning um, by Hal Elrod. And if you don't have the time to read it, it is not a big thick book. It's a very fast read. They have also done a documentary that is on Amazon now called the miracle morning. So, um, you, if you are more of a person that will digest it that way, please do. And I, will I say like this, both in the show notes, please do. Because I, um, I, it's so simple and it's almost like, why, why don't we all do that? And he simply has a setup that you should do in 10 minute chunks to start your morning. And, um, when I first started it, I would, I had what it's s s -S -S a p e r s Yeah. Six. I had six, 10 minute timers on my phone. I was like, I am a weirdo. And I would just 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes. And I would just turn it off every, every 10 minutes. And he believes that you should do his acronym is savers. So, Um, and, and that you set a time to get up so that you're not late. So whatever that looks like in your life, you don't have to do it at 5. AM. If you're able to sleep in, like go, go, go with God, do the thing that is your, is your piece of time in the morning. Not that you're waking up and already behind the eight ball, you know, that like, Oh God, I gotta go. Don't do that. So I usually get up, um, an hour before I, I know the world's going to start happening. I don't under any circumstance, look at my phone. Uh, as far as social media or emails or anything, obviously I use it as a clock. So I'll like look for time and I do turn on those timers. So obviously, yes, I do use my phone in that regard, but I'm not in anything. So then he says it's the savers is the acronym. So it is, um, Oh God, Lord have mercy. I knew I was going to do this. What's the first one? I can go silence, silence, silence. So you sit in silence for 10 minutes and it's real hard to sit with yourself for 10 minutes you guys and this isn't the meditation part as i've gotten better now i do actually meditate and i'll put on a meditation with it because in the beginning to sit in silence i was like Mm-mm, no sir i talk too much so i've learned i do my 10-minute meditation so it's s for silence a is um a is affirmations and you have to sit and write to yourself affirmations which get tough sometimes. There's an amazing app called Idealionaire, Uh free. It's a free app. And uh, I swear by Idealionaire. And you can go in and hit her affirmations page and whatever version of an affirmation you need. They're all right there and they're great, but just sit and look and do and read and find the things that speak to you. Uh, v. What is V? Vision. Oh, I'm sorry. Like visualize. Hello. Yes. Silence, affirmations,
0: visualizations, exercise, reading, inscribing.
1: Scribing. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. So we're on
1: so we're on V. So V is visualization. If you have that vision board, if you make a vision board, if you're a person that has like a, a a canvas that you created, a collage in your phone, whatever it is, that you really sit and feel and visualize. Some people will, you know, double dip and put the vision board above the treadmill and get up and walk, good for you, but not, not not my thing. I have to do it in compartmentalized because I'm a Capricorn. And so I like really take the time and realize, you know, that that there's you can still aim for more and have these visions it doesn't have you don't have to like oh i've achieved it now what you, know, you could get to get to actually dream that great dream so then you visualize then e is exercise I tend to do yoga because it's so early and it's before I've had coffee, which has been a booger. Because um, I drink some hot water with some ginger and lemon just so I can be like, I'm having something warm, it's fine. And then, um, so I do some just sun salutations, get through 10 minute yoga. And if you have the Peloton app or any, literally you can go on YouTube and hit 10 minute yoga, something will come up. And um, so I do the exercise and then the R reading. Thank you, I read for 10 minutes and I have a stack of books. I do reread some things that I love, like It's Not Your Money by Tosha Silver, Game Changer. <laughs> um, it is. I, I will it. also link that one. Isn't it so good? So and, good. Uh, if you like somebody a little more sassy, I love Jensen Chero's You're a Badass at Making Money. It's so good. So and
0: good. if you don't want to read it, listen to the audiobook because she she's is She
1: is so funny. I love Jensen Chero. She makes some- money. Like I will she's gonna be one of my guests on my podcast. I put her on my one hundred list my I top one hundred because I, I love her so much that I'm like, you're fun and I mm-hmm. feel like you not have a beer and cause trouble yeah <laughs> <laughs> she's fun um, so so then you you do your reading and then the last is scribing, which really is journaling they just had to make it an acronym. It's really just sitting down and free writing, which was really hard for me because I had teacher told me that I wasn't a very good writer once and of course I Went ahead and locked onto that story. Um, and I am a pretty decent writer, believe it or not. Um, so I will sit and write, and it's crazy sometimes that my pen will work faster than my brain can get it out. And I'm like, "Whoa, girl, you gotta slow down. I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, write the next war in peace, but I, I can get out my thoughts in an articulate way. So I like to say it's really important to go do that. And I will tell you that I made myself for 30 days do it and I was like, I just feel better, I'm nicer, I'm kinder to people, I'm kinder to myself, which as we all know right now is real tough Um, in Mm -hmm. the world of pandemic, post pandemic, what are we doing, what are we not doing, all the things. And um, I, I just really say, if you can, try it for 30 days. People say, do 21, no, don't be a wuss, don't quit. Do 30 days, because guess what? Even if you have one day in there, one day where you just don't get it together, you jump right back in, and it's not day one. You just just took one pause, Dave. It was day twenty three. Guess what? Have 20- you read
0: um, Atomic Habits by James Clear? I have. His never miss twice. That is my like life motto. If you miss one day, no big deal. Just don't miss twice. Okay, so quickly to talk about your creative process, how did you bridge the gap? Because I feel like comedy and hosting kind of go together, but how did you bridge the gap of comedy and hosting to then design? Cause that's quite a jump. Was it clean house that kind of led into that?
1: Yes. And it's still, I'll tell you, it's still a really hard, um, the world of design is so cuckoo crazy and it's forever changing that you have to learn to laugh at it. And I love helping people along the way, not make decisions. Um, I, I, I work with everybody, every kind of price point. So what I've learned along the way is even the people that have unlimited income that they want to deal just like anybody else. Of course they do. So I tend to have really great conversations with them about why do you really think you need that? Because you're, you don't, you actually don't. I've talked clients out of stuff and I'm like, you don't need that. You don't need that. You don't. And they'll look at you and be like, you're right. And I'm like, I want you to, to use your money wisely. I'd rather you go buy another home then spend $14,000 on ceiling wallpaper in a theater that you'll never see the ceiling. Because it's dark. Because it's dark.
0: <laughs> but for anybody listening who wants to you know, dabble in either changing a career or blending two loves or whatever, how did you bridge the gap?
1: Okay. So with design, I um, already was doing organization and I had a lot of private clients in, in org. And um, I realized- so there's two types of designers, right? There's what we, there are, we call them interior designers, but people get confused when you hear design interior designer and a functional designer. I am, I am technically functional design. So I am how your space is going to move, function, built-ins, where your pantry goes, how your kitchen island faces, where your sink lays out, where your countertops go, the height of your cabinets. Not that interior or designers that do your wallpaper and let me pick out that sofa. I can do all that. You're an interior designer, not an interior decorator in layman's terms. Exactly. Right. So the old school, I would be considered an interior designer, not a decorator, but now because we've switched the way we talk about it, I always say I specialize in functional design and organization. So when I started, I was brought on to, um, it's usually how it always starts too. I was brought on to a job to do the org. Um, for a high profile client and they'd brought me in to do org and the designer had a family emergency. And so this install had to happen and the install went to happen and I was like, okay, great. I don't know the full design book. His assistant couldn't get there. And it was, it was a big job. And I was like, I can, I can just day manage it for you because my stuff's going swimmingly upstairs. You know, I had my team in organizing the closet. I was like, I can take care of that. And the house manager was like, oh my God, you're amazing. Thank you. And then they went to do a second home and the wife was like, I just like Trish, like she's just easy. It wasn't like all this stress and stuff. And she didn't talk over my head. And not that I, the other designer, I thought he was lovely, but I just, I think for that particular family, I just spoke their language and I'm always really good at letting people ask questions and not feel ignorant because a lot of people like to work in this place of like, I know better than you, or they'll say something crazy to make it sound like they're just not like cluing someone in trying to prove their value.
0: Yeah. Were you sorry? Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, were you organizing while you were bartending and tanning, tanning bedding and stand-up comedianing?
1: Yes, I, um, I've had a million trillion jobs. So I sous-chefed for a very, 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 very famous A-list celebrity couple. You, you sous-chefed. Uh-huh. So the main, <laughs> the main chef. This is incredible. Yeah, You're I've like, had every job. I'm nine lives of Trisha. Literally. I, when I first moved to LA, so I was 23, 24. And a girl that came in the tanning salon that I managed, um, was a chef, a celebrity chef. And she had started, she had started her career doing drop-offs. And so she was cooking from her own house and then dropping it to sets and houses and everything. And she was like, she's very, was a little all over the place. like And she was like, you have this place immaculate. And I was like, girl, I'm like, oh, it's organized, it's high roll. She goes, Would you be interested in any way, like coming and organizing my kitchen? Because I have to do all this stuff and I'm not ready. And I said, Yeah, of course. Let me come over and look at it and see what it looks like. And then I'll, you know, quote you out. She was like, Great. I get over to the house and it looked like a movie, like, it, like things had exploded. Like I was being set up, like there was <laughs> a, a, a camera. And I was like, Oh my God, this is a madhouse. What is wrong with you? She's like, I know, I'm sorry. And I go, I looked right at her, I'm 20, I think it was 23, 24, probably 24. And I looked at her and I was like, uh, I'm 700 a week, I'm working only your drop-offs and I'm going to get your kitchen done right now and you're gonna find a rate that makes sense for this right now. I spent six hours in that kitchen. When I tell you P-touch labels, glass jars, everything, all the things, all the, all the all, immaculate, it looked like a movie, perfect. And she was like, I can't be without you. I was like, okay, calm down. Anyway, I started cooking and then the family, that family was like, we really enjoy you. And we know that you, um, really work with Lisa and we've noticed that she's much happier and everything flows easier. So we'd like to invite you to stay on staff with us, you know, so I ended up working with them for three years, um, and with their you know, cooking for their kids, playdates, all the things, all the things. So that was crazy. It was crazy and it was great.
0: Your life is such a testament to if you are just authentically yourself and you are showing up in the world with what you have to (laughs) offer, the universe, the world, the people around you will respond accordingly to what you are and what you're bringing to the table. And if you're trying to be something that you're not and you're being inauthentic or you're forcing something, it's not going to work. Um, okay. Rapid fire questions. And then we're done. Okay. Don't think just answer. Perfect. One thing that would surprise people about you.
1: Um, that I
0: played collegiate tennis. Ooh, your favorite snack right now. Grape leaves. Grape leaves. (gasps) Your uh, childhood crush. It can be real or a celebrity.
1: My childhood crush. I had the weirdest crush. I loved John Cusack. That's not weird at all. Like awkward John Cusack. I used to think he was amazing.
0: Um, one person you're inspired by right now.
1: Oh, wow. Um, wow. That's a, that's a great question. You know who I, the first person that came to my head was Amanda Corman, Gorman. Um, I'm obsessed with her mm-hmm. right now. I think she's just such a little force. I think she, it's, it's, really powerful to watch someone before your eyes come into their own that you have no relationship to and you're rooting for. So I would, I think, I think she's amazing. That was a beautiful answer. Um, one thing in your
0: life right now that's sparking creativity. That's so
1: good. I would say my meditations in the morning because I come out of them and I'm like, what's the first thing you're thinking of? So, and that's usually what's getting me creative because, you get a little stagnant when you, you know, you do the same things all the time and you're like, am I moving the needle? So yeah, I would definitely say that meditation. Well, Trish, thank you so much for that being here. <laughs> Wait, Where- what's your favorite snack? I need to know this. Oh,
0: my favorite snack. Right, right now. now, sorry. Um, anything with buffalo sauce.
1: Where can everybody find you? <laughs> I am at Trish Sir on all things. Um, so T R I S H. S U H R. And I am, uh, redoing my website right now so that I'm creating more content that people want to actually see. I started realizing it was a little too glossy y'all. I'm not a glossy girl. So, uh, <laughs> be excited for that new stuff. So Trish at Trish sir and trish sir, Well, thank you again, Trish so much. Oh. I really
0: love this conversation. With you. I love you.
1: I'm so excited for you. Will you be on my podcast when I do mine? Oh my gosh. I am honored. I would love to be. I adore
0: Trisha's energy and honesty. She does such a good job of taking things in stride and letting your energy speak for itself. She brings so much light to everything she does and this conversation filled my soul so much and I hope it inspired you to say yes to yourself and your creativity. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and subscribe. It really helps a lot. Our theme music is called Come Along by Jay Someday and his information is in the show notes. Until next time, have a creative week.